0: Hi folks, welcome to the Gospel of Kennison. This is episode one hundred forty nine, brought to you the week of september eighth, twenty twenty one. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. Welcome to my personal audio journal. Special thanks to our patrons with extra special thanks to Carrie Wright? Carrie Bernhardt and Wesley Gill. You can support this show if you like it at patreoncom G O K. How are you doing, man? Am I doing good or what? Recording these things a little bit more on a schedule, but I have a, I have a topic to talk about and it's not, um, (laughs) it's, it's not the last two episodes. Let's just say if the last two episodes were hard for you to stomach, then you should have no problem with this one because this one's kind of a story and then kind of me responding to it. Because I got to be a part of something um, as a, a witness, a, uh, you know, a man on the sidelines. Just got to see something happen that really hit close to home. We, uh, we, we go to a small church, my family and I, as you know, it's called Novation. And uh, there's very few people that go. Currently, regularly attending is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about nine people. And when everybody shows up, there's 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe 14 people that show up. Um, and currently, what we do is on Sunday nights, we have a children's ministry for the kids in the neighborhood and, and there's various amounts of kids that show up for that and you've known you, you know about that if you've listened to the last few episodes but recently um, we've had the opportunity presented to us um, or, I, or I should say it this way my friend and pastor and mentor David Godbout has had a opportunity placed before him. There's a church out in West County, which is the rich area of St. Louis, and they have a pastor there that, um, is taking a sabbatical, which is just a big fancy word for time off. He's taking a year and this had to be approved by a board, actually two different boards at his church and, uh, had to have the support of the staff and had to have the support of the people and it really hit home with me what was going on with this guy when i found out that this pastor was struggling a lot with anxiety slash uh possibly some depression but a lot of anxiety i mean they they tend to go hand in hand don't they at least they do in, in my world. So the, the way we're involved is David has been asked to come in and preach while this uh, man has, is, is taking, you know, this pastor is taking his time. And so David will preach, uh, in his words, seven out of eight sermons for, for the entire year. And so it's kind of weird for us because now we have a church to go to on Sunday mornings because we're going to go and support him, you know. Um, and our our uh, the children in the children's area uh, of or the kids that come with a couple of the parents have a children's church to go to, and you know we'll still do the Sunday night thing and all that. But um, I was there at the service where the pastor in question got up to explain you know why he needed the time off and um there were various reasons given uh family stuff uh church stuff basically and 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 um uh, stress and pressure having to do with earning his phd so uh it definitely spoke to me being someone that struggles with anxiety and depression And it spoke to me as someone who's been through a very similar situation, but boy, did it turn out different. I mean, you guys know my story and in case you don't, um, eight or nine years ago, no, yeah, yeah. Gosh, it's been a while now. I don't even know. 2013 was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when it was. We've been here almost seven years. So, eight, nine. So, yeah, nine years ago, was it? Oh, my gosh. Time flies. But anyway, some time ago, I was at a church in Florida. And um, I have, I developed um, the symptoms and the situation of having depression and anxiety and i did a good job hiding it for quite a while and working through it like you do and i started seeing a doctor and i started taking medication and things went well for a while but then the medication started to kind of quit working and the doctor told me this is all i can do for you you need to see a psychiatrist and there was a lot of shame and a lot of uh, a lot of shame a lot of shame um like i had failed and stuff and I I went to the psychiatrist, which is what, you know, crazy people do. Right. And, uh, I started taking different kinds of medications and got allergic to some of them. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. And I was desperately trying to get on top of things before I had to start, uh, explaining things to my pastor, but it didn't make it to that point. And at three separate intervals, we had meetings with my boss slash pastor, and told him you know look uh surprise i have depression and anxiety and i didn't tell you about it when you hired me because i didn't even know it was really a thing and uh, meeting number two kind of went like hey uh we still have this depression and anxiety thing and it's really for real and it's really starting to affect me and you know here's my resignation and he wouldn't accept and meeting number three went hey uh, I, I need to, I, I I really need to change some things around here or I'm not going to be able to stand it. I, I need to have the freedom to not come in, um, and, and, and only work part time. And at that point he said, okay, um, let me take it to the board. And he did. And then he took me out to breakfast and asked me a bunch of questions and, the board basically asked if I was even called to be there and, um, and, and basically a lot, a lot of questions that let me know that I did not have their support and that they were questioning why I was even there at all. If I couldn't do my job. Um, and then came a evening where i was supposed to get up and give a annual report and i couldn't i couldn't do it you were supposed to get up and say all the great things that had happened that year and i had failed all year i had canceled almost every event i had i had i mean it was a success from one vantage point i had i had survived you know this horrible year but no way you could get up and say such things. And and I wasn't able to do it. You were supposed to make a video. I couldn't even do that. I couldn't spend anything. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the desire. And the pastor said, well, you know, if you don't do this and he wasn't being threatening, he was just telling me the truth that if you don't do this, the the board is going to ask me why. And I said, well, tell them. And I was in tears. Tell them that you accepted my resignation while I still have a little bit of, 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 uh, Oh, I don't even know what I called it. Um, uh, cause I didn't have any of it left, whatever it was, <laughs> uh, self-respect or, or, or whatever, you know? Um, and he said, okay, well, I don't meet with them until Friday. So you have till Friday to change your mind. Well, Friday came and went and I didn't change my mind. And so he told the board, the board wanted to meet with me, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. I could kind of read the writing on the wall that I was going to go in there and I was going to get blasted. I wasn't going to get grace. I wasn't going to get support. I wasn't going in there as someone that was ill uh, and getting sympathy was going in there as someone who was trying to slack off on their duties and needed to be set straight. And I couldn't handle that. Didn't want to do it. Couldn't do it. So I, I didn't do it. And I, I waited my two weeks out. I turned in my keys. I packed up my stuff. And it was one of the worst things that I had ever gone through. And I think it really to this day has hampered and hindered me not only because of the way I was treated, but because of the fact that I failed so, so drastically and, you know, leaving a a job where I was supporting my, my wife and, you know, she was working at the time. Thank God, but she was working just more or less for fun, more or less just a, Just to have a job i was supporting the family um my job provided free private schools for the kids they had to go to a pub a terrible example of a public school it was so bad they still talk about how bad that year was um matter of fact the school showed us more grace than the church did they gave us an extra they gave us the rest of the year for free and then the next year For half off. And so the kids only had to go. We were only there for two years after I quit. And then we moved to St. Louis. So one year they got to go to school at their old school. And then one year they had to go to public school. And it was so bad. But um, so not only had I failed to keep my job, which was my whole thing. I mean, that was why I was going to the doctor once a week. I was changing medicines, trying different uh times and days and and amounts and 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 all this stuff trying desperately to be able to keep my job and and I was met with judgment and and uh no acceptance no understanding nothing but hard business sense you know uh just the bottom line can the man do the job for the money we're paying him and you know there was a time I I've even said it on this show that I I understood that, you know, there's a part of me that really understands that they, they, they hired me from Sheffield family life center, which was a mega church. And I think in their mind, they thought, Hey, if we hire this guy, we're going to have a mega church quality children's ministry. Well, their church didn't support a mega church, um, type of ministry. First of all, cause they didn't have the numbers. Um they had 500 people in the sanctuary on their biggest day and only about 55 kids uh in elementary school and uh it was quite a step down from what I was used to but I I loved it you know I loved being able to know more kids cuz when you have you know uh, you know close to 300 kids in your children's church, it's it's hard to know everybody. It's hard to know anybody. Um, but anyway, in the in the past, I've I've been very gracious to them. And and trying to in saying, you know, I understand where they were coming from, and I do, I do, I understand where they're coming from. They were businessmen. Um, they had a preconceived idea about me that I was going to come in and save a part of their church. I was going to restore it to its former glory. And I was failing at that. And they wanted to know why. Uh, But after going to this service on Sunday and seeing what I saw, I mean, I, I sat there in the third or fourth row back and the board representatives from the board they have two boards at this church a spiritual board which sounds kind of weird and a business board and i kind of thought that was sound, sounding kind of weird except the spiritual board is just kind of a nickname because they are the elders who pray for people at the altars they pray for the pastor um they 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 pray for the business of the of the church and all that. And then there's an official board that is making business decisions, um, you know, and things like that. So not as weird as it sounds. It's not like there's a, a bunch of ghosts on one board and then a bunch of real people on another board <laughs> spiritual board. We walk around in robes all day with candles and halos and we make spiritual decisions. No, it's not like that. It's it's just it's just more of a to use a Christian word, a covering for the for the pastor uh and and the uh for not for those not familiar with that it would just be people that that are looking out for right, or got the back of the pastor spiritually and and are attuned um to his needs spiritually and uh that's that's important it's very important and and I've never heard of that anywhere else other than this church I'm sure it's happened but I've never heard of it So I'm sitting in the fourth row or so and a representative from each board comes up and they start to explain to the church about the sabbatical. And I don't remember the exact wordings. I won't bore you with the details. Um, But they just got up and expressed the needs that this man had, this pastor had. And the problems that he was facing. They talked about his anxiety. They talked about um, the... Uh, the fact that he followed a uh, founding pastor, um, and, and and that is typically a, a hard thing to do. To transition from a from a guy who founded the church and was there for like thirty five years to follow somebody like that is is almost impossible. Churches typically uh, kind of fall apart because the church was based, you know, somewhat on the personality of the person that that ran it and it, and if you do survive it's tough it's not not really easy to do and uh but they they acknowledged that that it wasn't easy to do but he did it you know and and then they they kind of went into without detail and without messing with his privacy just mentioning that there were family issues that he was dealing with and then the the phd pressures and things like that and how over the last few years, it has, um, it is, it is, uh, it is added up. And they said, now, if this comes as a shock shock to you, just know that you're in good company. They were very honest saying, you know, Hey, this was a shock to us too. We didn't know. But then the next thing they said was so wonderful. They said, what? And and I, I have to paraphrase it because they said something to the effect of, now that you've heard this information, we would like you to move from how it affects you to how you can help him. And they were so right to say something like that, because when people, especially in churches or in any kind of group, like a business group or whatever, they hear information, they immediately go into how it's going to affect them. What does this mean for me? And they urged the people, get through that phase and get right into how can we as a church combine and support this pastor. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I was, I was almost in tears already at that point because here was a board, uh, two boards, two groups of men that he had made it through and, and they had already decided to support him already decided to give him a year. But the way this came about was even more shocking because I, you know, talked to David and, and David told me that his own staff were the ones that noticed that he was struggling and he doesn't have a big staff. I think he has two people, an executive pastor and maybe a children's pastor. And they, went to the board on his behalf and they asked for a year. So he has caring staff that support him. You know what the staff did from my old church? One of them came by and just gave me a look one time. He, he just goes, James. And I said, dude, I, I, I just can't, you know, I can't handle it can't do it. And he just shook his head with a frown on his face and just judged the crap out of me. And, uh, this man's staff and, and peers, I I don't know. They were his, 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 uh, employees. So not peers, but they, they acted as peers. They acted as friends, and they went on behalf of him rather than trying to tell on him. See, where we were at, at in Florida, the pastor was kind of coming under fire from the board. He had been there five years, and they hadn't seen the growth that they thought they would, so they were kind of up his butt. And the, the 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 staff member that shook his head at me was seeing this as an opportunity for him to step in and get some more power. And he was going to the board saying, Hey, I've got ideas that'll turn things around and I can do this from an executive pastor position. So if you, if you move me up the rungs of the ladder, I can make things happen. And with me quitting right in the middle of all that, all I did was cause a bunch of problems for everybody. The pastor's wife hated me because I was causing problems for her husband and I understand it. I do. I do her her poor husband was going through it and and one of the decisions he made me was faltering and and just flopping all over the floor like a dying fish. So I wasn't helping. And the associate pastor who wanted to become more than anything the executive pastor who had all the fresh ideas he didn't like me because i was i was i was part of the solution he liked me he liked me a lot before i started failing and i would have been a a part of his master plan because i was one of the right kind of pastors he made sure and got rid of the other pastors not by firing them or letting them go or giving them any kind of self-respect. He just simply voted with the board to cut their salaries in half to where they couldn't afford to work there anymore. He did that to the worship pastor, who was a great lady, whose kids I worked with in children's church. And he did that to the uh, evangelism pastor, who was one of the hardest working men on staff. Because he didn't like the way one of them did worship, and he didn't like the other person personally. Long story short, this guy, this young pastor who had all the ambition in the world, none of his stuff worked, because that's not how you build a church, by finagling and just messing with people's lives. God doesn't reward that. And I think it bleeds over. I think people can tell. And he left the church and went and worked for his mentor, I believe in some place in Florida, some other place in Florida. But I couldn't help but wonder as I sat there last Sunday and listened to the grace that this man was getting, how things would have been different if we had received that kind of support and the support that we needed because the best part of the service was when the pastor himself and his wife got up and was able to talk to the, the to commute to the, to their people. And I couldn't believe it because they had just got through, you know, the staff had talked about him, the, the board had talked about him and now he was getting up himself and kind of explaining what his side of the thing was and i i he he did talk about shame he talked about uh, just briefly mentioned the shame that was involved with doing all of this and oh my goodness that took me back cuz there was so much shame on my end when i when i quit i didn't feel like i quit i felt like i got fired i felt like i failed Felt like a whole bunch of stuff. And I think it was the biggest blow. I think it was the thing that extended my um, depression to such depths, my anxiety to 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 the point where I was having almost constant panic attacks and pain in my chest. Um, but yet here in this universe, this alternate universe where this pastor gets to get up and, and, and he gets to talk uh, after his his, uh, board gets up and speaks. Um, I couldn't imagine if I'd been put through the same thing after the board had passed judgment on me after I had quit my job and if they had forced me to get up to speak. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it with, without tears. That's for sure. I couldn't have done it without groaning and, and pain and anxiety and putting on a show that people would have never forgotten. Um, So it's so drastically different than what I experienced that I don't even know. I don't even know what it would feel like. But I can kind of go through what it would have been like, you know? I don't know how it would have felt. Never had acceptance and love like that. I, I, you know, not, not at that level. I experience it here in my little tiny church. But. These are people that didn't know me before, except for one, except for one David Guybout knew me before. And he's mentioned this before. And it it really means a lot. He knew me before the down James. He knew me before depression and he knew me during, and he knows me now in the aftermath. He accepts me and loves me and respects me. And he sees value in me. And that's why we're here. Because that's what Jesus' love is like. Um, And I think that's what the pastor of this church I'm talking about received Sunday. And, oh, Lord, if he does not realize, and I'm sure he does, but how could he truly understand how much grace how much love that he was given his depression and anxiety is probably only forcing him to focus on the negative side that how dare you put your church through something like this to where they have to spread your responsibilities out amongst the other staff and amongst lay people you know all, all the negative thoughts probably not even allowing him to realize the grace and love that, that have been afforded him, which is, which is ta- terrible. He'll get it. He'll get it one day, but I can't imagine, but I imagine how how it should have been because what should have happened is when pastor went to that board and told them what I told him that I, I could not function during the week, but I could still do children's services. They should have said, Oh my goodness." that's, that's terrible. It's not what we want, but we know him. We know him and he's not this way. He's not a slacker. He's not someone that just doesn't want to work because we have been involved with him and we know him. We've been to lunches with him and dinners with him and we know him as a person. And we love him, and we've been praying for him, and we've supported him all this time. We've got to find out what's going on. And Pastor would then tell him, well, he deals with anxiety and depression. And they would have had to have taken that seriously, rather than, like most people do in religious circles and say well that's not a real issue that's that's a spiritual issue and he must have hidden sin or have a moral failure or you know he's doing something he shouldn't be doing see i don't know that that's that's about the limit of how i can even imagine it would have gone because they still would have wanted to talk to me which i would have understood but it would have been under different circumstances wouldn't it It would have been an invitation to come and explain things similar to the way I did pastor. And I could do that, man. I can talk about my crap all day. That's what this whole podcast is about for the love. (laughs) It's me crapping about my life. And I could have done that and they would have heard it with open and loving hearts. And they would have seen me as a victim instead of someone trying to get away with a free paycheck. I, I didn't even want the full paycheck. I wanted to go part-time all the way down, just temporarily, just to get over it. And that's what I would have expressed to them is, look, I'm not trying to change the, the way we do children's ministry. I just can't keep office hours. I can't handle it. The pressure of, of being needed and called upon during the week It's more than I can handle, but I can, I still seem to be able to do Wednesdays and Sundays and I can prepare for those anywhere at a local coffee shop or at my home. I could still be on call if you guys need me, you know, to do something special, but I, I just, right now I need to just do the bare minimum while I'm trying to get well. That's what I would have told them. And they would have said, you know what? Um, absolutely. 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 And who knows from there? Who knows? Because things changed so drastically for me when things didn't go that way. I don't know. I would like to think, I I mean, would we still be there? But it's so hard to, to play the what if game. Because ultimately, as the Bible says, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And we are here in St. Louis, which is still kind of a mixed blessing. <laughs> we kind of hate St. Louis. It's, it's, it's a dark city. It really is but I'm so glad we're not at that church anymore because they showed who they really were and who they really were, were shallow um, heartless people that only loved you when you were doing for them what they needed to be done. They had no grace. I mean, do you remember how it really went? Were you listening? Back then when it happened, did I did I even tell the whole story? I don't know. But they came back and they had pastor like I said, take me to breakfast and ask me questions like are you even called to be here? You know, what did you come here for? Do you even want to work here anymore? And then they 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 established a rule that one of them was going to come and start monitoring my services on Sunday, I guess to, to make sure that I was doing my job properly to their credit. They really never followed through. There was one person that came one time and they stayed for 15 minutes and they saw that I was at the top of my game. I was still doing a great job. The kids were learning. They were engaged. Parents are happy. And they, they never came back. So either they saw what they needed to see, or they were just not following through with what they said. I don't know, but they, they clamped down on me. They put more pressure on me. They, they put me under a microscope and wanted to meet with me. And I could read the writing on the wall. Like I said, I knew I could already tell you how it was going to go. And maybe it wouldn't have gone as bad as I thought, you know, but. Is there really any question as to how the meeting would have gone? Wouldn't it have been just a bunch of striking questions and maybe I would have won a few of them over, but I'll tell you at the time I couldn't get over the fact that i shouldn't have to win them over that by that time i should have already won them over you know with my service with my support with the way that i carried myself with the respect that i got from parents my fellow pastors even even the people that cut the checks and knew how I spent the church's money. The people that had children, the board members that had children in my church services and in my middle school service that I had started from scratch. It's not like I hadn't done anything. It's not like I hadn't earn, at least earned uh, um, a benefit of the doubt. But anyway, Sunday struck home, man. It really hit home for me. And thank God that there is a pastor out there that received the kind of love that he needs. And he's getting a year off. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't even to dare to ask for any time off. I just needed a reduction in time, you know, just for a period of, of, of a while. I I think we even put a limit on it. I think it was like four months, four to six months or something like that because I was so optimistic, even in the midst of all of the depression, it, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it got after I quit after I failed. So I guess if it had gone better, I would have lasted at the church longer. I doubt I would have gotten better in the right amount of time, though. I would have eventually bumped into somebody's impatience. I don't know. It's hard to say. So if there's a GOK moment for this week, it's this. If there's someone in your life that is struggling with depression and anxiety, the, the problem, one of the biggest problems for people... Um, is, is the people they love. And I think I've, I've said this before. The only people that struggle more than the, the one that is depressed and anxious is the people that love them. Like my wife, for instance, has I think gone through more pain and suffering than I have. Um, or or at least a similar amount if if you know if if a different kind and the reason that is is because people who are depressed and anxious are hard to deal with and a lot of their stuff does look like you're just being lazy or if you just got off your butt and did something about it it would go away and for some people That is the solution. There are two different kinds of depression. Let me remind you. There's the kind that occurs because of things happening in their life. There are people who are depressed because they don't ever go out and they had something happen to them and their brain chemistry got a little screwed up and they haven't done what they need to do to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get back out of it. And those people need motivation and love and they need care and compassion, but they need a kick in the pants as well just little kicks in the pants. But then there are people like me who are genetically predisposed to a chemical imbalance and it is an illness that is ongoing and no amount of anything other than medication and time and patience seems to have any effect on it. And, um, like I said, though, it comes to the, to the uninitiated. It can seem like it's just somebody being a bum. And I, um, I've lived with both kinds in my life growing up. My father was, was bipolar. My mother struggled with depression. Hers was a a temporary thing. Uh, My, my real dad's was, a permanent life altering thing that eventually ended his life um, or caused him to end his life. He was 40, 40, 43 when he passed away, when he died, when he killed himself, whatever you want to say it. I, uh, I'm 48. I am a survivor. I'm proud of that. And, um, Well, anyway, it's the GOK moment is be patient and loving and compassionate to the people in your life that are dealing with depression. Give them what you would need if it were you and look past the obvious stuff, the parts that annoy you, the parts you wish you could change and do some reading, do some reading online. I don't even do enough reading and I'm in the midst of it, but I did some on bipolar too. And I did some on depression recently and, and really just opened my eyes and my mind just even more. And my wife has started doing this and she's going with me to my doctor's appointments now. Did I mention that? She goes with me now. And the doctor loves it because they get another opinion and, a, and another um, vantage point on what I'm doing and how I'm doing. And my wife knows all the medications I've been on and I don't, (laughs) she knows the effects that they had on me and I don't. And my doctor loves having Jen there. And I was so nervous about having her come, but, uh, it worked out great and it supports me and it helps her understand that that, it reminds her that it's a medical issue. And that if I was, if I could do better, I would. And it means the world. So there are there are two people in my life that really get it. It's it's my wife and it's David, and especially Jen, of course, because she has to deal with it every day. I'll I'll just leave you with a little update on me. Like I said, I, I took my wife to a um to to a, a doctor's appointment. Um, it was something I kind of just thought to do because of of the reading that I was doing. It said, you know, bring your spouse and it'll be good for the spouse. It'll be good for the doctor. And it was, it really was, it was good for both of them because my wife doesn't have to ask me how my appointment went and me just say, well, it was just a normal appointment. She was there. She experienced it and she contributed and she does contribute so much. She can tell the doctor things that I don't even notice that I'm doing or changes that I didn't even notice. And she can support me by um, agreeing to the things that I'm saying because sometimes when I say stuff, I feel like I'm making it up or that I'm complaining too much or that I'm trying to lead the 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 doctor to come to the same conclusion that I have come to. Um, and 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 it's so helpful when Jen's like, "Yeah, that's exactly the way it is," you know. And I, and I realize, no, I'm just telling it like it is, you know. Um, in the evenings, i found myself starting to get very, I want to say miserable, but it is, it is depression. So I've been on a high for about a month and a half now, uh, where I've been very creative, very outgoing, very, uh, driven. Um, and, and I feel like the, the evenings are warning me that, that, that time is coming to an end and that I might be bipolar 2 if I haven't mentioned that on the show yet um bipolar 2 just is is different than bipolar bipolar is you you go between depressed and and manic where you do crazy things and your personality changes drastically and you go out and spend money irrationally you do things that are not normal for you uh, you can get hyper anxious, hyper angry, hyper happy, you know, whatever. Uh, but hypomanic though, it sounds worse than manic. Hypomanic means kind of manic and you go through a heightened state that you feel like is the real you and you can be creative and this, that, and the other and do, you can do some dumb stuff, but generally it's just a lower manic state. And I, I, after all this trying to get, rediagnosed as just depressed. I I think I might actually be bipolar too. But what my doctor said about it is it doesn't really matter what we call it, it matters how we treat it. And that is the way that I've noticed um psychology is is they give you the medicine that's supposed to treat the symptoms. And if the medicine works, then yes, that means you have that issue. So I'm taking a mood stabilizer which is for bipolar people. And if it works, then it means I needed it. If it doesn't, it means that this is just a natural ebb and flow of depression. So it's hard to diagnose. In other words, well, anyway, I will wrap it up guys. I love you. I don't know if I say that enough, but I look at the numbers, um, on this show more than I do any other one. And, um, the, the few hundred downloads that I get on this show mean so much more to me, I think, than any of the other ones. I kind of expect that story show to get lots of downloads. Um, you know, so when I see 17, 18,000 downloads on that story show, I see 10,000, you know, some on some episodes, it just, it varies. And, and it, it's, it's kind of hard for me to uh, wrap my mind around that many, you know, it, it's just too big of a number. But, you know, GOK goes between 225 to 400. Sometimes it's 600, you know, it just varies. And I don't know what makes it do that. I, I don't know if I tick people off and they quit and new people come, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know. But um, I I love you guys that do listen and do hang out with me and do stick with me because I count you as the people who get it and who understand me and you're in good company because you're there with David and you're there with my wife. You're there with my kids, even though I don't know that my kids completely understand it, but they still love me. So you're in good company and, and that's where you sit in my heart. So and the numbers is all I have. And and every now and then somebody f- gives me feedback And writes back in, especially when I get on topics that are hot topics, you know, hot, stingy topics. Like, um, when I talked about how I wasn't supporting Trump anymore, I had a fella get really excited about that. And, um, he got really, I say excited that I'm kind of being nice. He got kind of angry about it and took it personally. Like I was saying that he was a terrible person, um, for liking Trump and he emailed me a lot and, 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 uh, was just being really snarky. And then, uh, contrast that to an email I got last week, uh, and a voicemail I got last week about my response, the response, uh, uh, to, to me saying that Christians should be more loving and, and, and more passive and standing up for, uh, uh, you know, people that are less fortunate than we are. And, uh, somebody actually got it, you know, I'm sure I lost quite a few people too. Um, because, you know, sometimes we don't want to really know our heroes as much as we say we do. And, uh, you know, when you find out what one of them really thinks, uh, not that I'm your hero, but you know what I mean? Um, you find out what, what your, what your podcast guy thinks, uh, it, it, and if it doesn't line up with what you think, all of a sudden it's hard to like him anymore. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, but, you know, it's it's a journal, and I have to say what's on my heart and on my mind. And uh, whoever will uh, listens. So <laughs> anyway, so I love you guys, and I thank you, and I appreciate you. If uh, if you want, if you want to, you don't have to, but patreon.com is over there. Patreon.com slash GOK. And you can support the show for, you know, five bucks a month, and it really helps. It is my only source of income. I, I used to say primary, but it is my only source of income at this current moment. And so everything uh, you guys can do helps. And um, you don't have to agree with me 100%. You just have to love me. Uh, and and uh, and I've already told you I love you. So uh, if, you, if you'd like to move it on, move this relationship forward, <laughs> one of the best ways to do it is through a monthly support. Or you could do it annually, I believe. Um, uh, but it's also a great way to get a hold of me because I do have a huge inbox, and all of the email from all of the podcasts goes into one email address. And uh, except for Patreon, Patreon is separate, and I'm able to pull out those emails at, on the website and respond to them directly. So I don't know if that's something that appeals to you. Great. Um, But we don't really do perks or anything except for on on, uh, Discord if you're a supporter of this show. It's just that you do it out of the kindness of your heart. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. Thanks for listening. I hope you appreciate the regularity. It takes a lot to do it. And uh, I I know you know me and you know I want to do it regularly. Uh, I'm just glad to have something to talk about. So hats off to that church in West County, uh, uh, Missouri. or, or Uh, st louis uh hats off to them may god bless them and and bless that man and may a year be enough you know that's my only fear for him right now is is a year going to be enough to get things straightened out and and uh it just depends it depends on if it's situation-based or if it has gotten to the point where his brain's just not creating enough of the serotonins and the chemicals that he needs to be able to move on with his life i don't know all right Uh, I'll talk to you guys later and uh, God bless and peace out.